0: If you want to turn with me in your Bibles or on your phones, um, I'm going to be reading Ephesians 4, verses 23 through 32. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So when Pastor Laura asked me which of the seven deadlies I would want to preach on, (laughs) that I would want to preach on, um, I knew immediately that anger was my baby And Pastor Laura, who's known me for about 20 years, looked at me and said, really? Anger? Like, you struggle with anger. Um, But I know, and God knows, so here we are. (laughs) My mom loves to tell this story about a very fun shopping trip that she had with me when I was maybe about three, and she was very pregnant with my baby sister at the time, um, we were in this store called Whackers. I don't know if y'all had Whackers around here, but that's a strange name. But I saw this Hot Wheel. Now, did any of y'all have these or remember these Hot Wheels? Are they not the coolest thing you've ever seen? I had to have that hot wheel right and what I didn't know is that my sweet mom had already gone and bought the hot wheel but she had to carry me out to the car you know and it's a production right she has a baby almost and so but I was not having any of that I was leaving that store with that hot wheel you know, and she loves to say how I'm standing there, you know, my cute little black ponytails and, you know, I have my shoes on and I'm like, I want my Hot Wheel, my Hot Wheel. And I started stomping my feet and oh, I cannot tell you, even now I can remember the rage and the injustice that I felt of not having that Hot Wheel. <laughs> um, you know the biter in preschool? Yeah, that was me. Um, I would probably be the only United Methodist clergy that almost got kicked out of a United Methodist Mother's Day out for biting, right? But in my defense, I would have my purse, you know, as a preschooler. I would have my purse, and there were specific toys that needed to go in my purse. And my friend Michelle would always get those toys. And I had no other recourse than to bite her, right? (laughs) Um, My mom says that she read a book very often with me as a young child. It was quite tattered, and it was the strong-willed child, right? Um, I very vividly remember and can still recite my mom's speech, her temper speech that she would say to me, and it went exactly like this. Tiffany, you're going to have to learn to control your temper or it is going to get you in trouble. Over the years, I could hear my mom saying that over and over when I would start to get angry. You know that fire in the pit of your belly type of anger? My grandmother had two pet names for me. The first, I really liked it, was Tifanita. The second was Bandy Rooster. Now, do any of y'all know what a Bandy Rooster is? Yeah, I didn't know until I looked it up on Wikipedia. I mean, what did we do with it about Wikipedia? And it said, "A very small, angry and aggressive rooster." <laughs> right? So you kind of get a feeling um, I, I struggled with my temper. Over the years, though, the burn for me became a little different. I learned to control my temper and my anger. But sometimes I wonder if I also learned how to swallow it. Because the older I got, the more I, I really tried to be the oldest perfect child. I couldn't stand to think that I was wrong. And, and I don't mean like, like doing something wrong, but doing anything that was wrong. A test answer, homework, any word I might say that hurt anybody. And to be angry for me felt wrong because it was such a strong, raw emotion for me. And as I entered elementary and middle school, anger began to come in the most embarrassing way for me, which was tears. I mean, imagine if you're righteously angry, you know, like my friend Cody would really make me mad, and what would I immediately do? Start to cry. How sad is that? It just ruins the effect, right? I, I honestly didn't know how to describe my struggle with anger until I saw the movie, um, the Pixar movie, Inside Out. How many of y'all have seen that? My mom was saying last night that it, it was a thoroughly, she just did not like this movie at all. But for me, I loved it because it, the emotions had colors, right? So joy was yellow. Um, fear was purple, Disgust was green. That was Gracie's favorite. Um, Sadness was blue, and anger was red. But the most intriguing part of the movie was that it was possible to have multiple emotions at one time. And as I watched this movie with Gracie, I laughed and said to her, I think my colors got mixed up, right? My my red is blue, and my blue is red. Because I've had to explain to her and others that the normal cues like crying for me do not mean that I'm sad. It means that I'm mad. (laughs) I remember early in my friendship with DG, who's now my husband, God bless him, um, I had to explain to him that when I cry, it means to run. (laughs) Right? Don't want to be patted or held. You just run. Now, DG, on the other hand, will cry at a Super Bowl commercial. I mean, he said this year was better, but last year's Super Bowl commercials just trashed him. You know, he's crying the whole time. Um, But for me, it's like something got miswired. My sad and my mad got mixed up. So I spent a lot of time thinking about anger and praying about it in my own life, and I've come to realize some important things. Number one, it's okay To be angry. Number two, that it's okay to express those emotions. It's okay to be me. You know, if I get angry, I just cry. You know, let it roll. And I'm not surprised to see that God used my own struggles with anger to help others. I found myself a few years ago working with kids who were were in treatment foster care. Now, I'm, I'm sure you know foster care, right? But Treatment foster care is for kids that have blown out of normal foster care families due to their behavior. Um, Some of them come from juvenile detention. Others come from from an offender unit. But my job as their treatment coordinator was to get to know them and to help them face their greatest struggles. For most, facing and learning how to cope with trauma was the big learning goal that we had to work on. From any anxiety and depression were also huge areas of focus. But the ones that I found the most interesting were the ones who struggled with tantrums that could last for half a day or angry outbursts in a classroom or one little girl I had actually beat a hole through her door with her scooter and she was in the first grade. Pure, raw aggression. These were the kids that many thought were beyond help. And one little boy in particular seemed to be a hopeless case. For each kid, we would get collateral, which was, you know, medical history, school history, family history, treatment history. And this guy, let's call him Michael, had blown out of four schools. He had lived under a bridge with his mom, had suffered things in foster homes that it took him years to to, to even be able to hint at. And had past treatment plans and write-ups that filled almost a two-inch binder when he arrived. And he was five. And he was my first client. And I thought, are you crazy? And then you saw this little guy. And he had the cutest round cheeks. And I just wanted to hug him and squeeze him. But it clearly said on all his collateral to do not touch him. But as I got to know Michael, he would hug me, and we would laugh together, and we would love to go get DQ blizzards, that was a thing, and he would draw me pictures. And for months, he was the perfect kid. But it was summer, and the fun was about to begin, because we were about to discover his trigger, school. See, with Michael, for some reason, his trigger was on a hairline switch when he got to school. And it was only about two weeks into school that I began to get some very interesting daily reports with some cryptic messages like this one. Michael had a pretty good day at school. He threw a computer but pulled it together after lunch. Okay. And then he came in to meet me with with me that day with this cute smile and these cheeks. And I'd ask him, Michael, what happened at school? And he'd say, I don't know. And at first I thought, that's a cop-out. You know. I mean, you clearly threw a computer. (laughs) But as I got to know Michael and continued to get the reports from school, they would read like this. Michael threw a desk, three tables, chairs, broken computers, and his aggression continued to escalate until one day I came face-to-face with his rage, which was for the first time focused on me. I grabbed my coworkers and locked the door when I could feel the volcano coming, and they laughed at me. They just saw this cute little guy until they felt his stocky body slam against the locked door. I will never forget him charging at the door, yelling my name, throwing things, trying to climb through the window to get me. When the police finally arrived, I knew the volcano was over and walked out to check on him, and he ran to me. The cops tried to stop him, but I knew that the eruption was over. And as he ran past him, he just grabbed me and hugged me, saying, I'm so sorry I hurt you, Tiffany. I'm so sorry I hurt you. And I had to pull his face up to see me, to see that I was okay. But what he had seen in his head, in his rage, was that he had hurt me. And I had to assure him over and over that it wasn't real he hadn't hurt me like he had seen. But I saw firsthand that he truly did not know how to stop the rage. We had tried asking him to think about how his body felt before he would get angry, before, during, and after. And then it hit me that day. I looked at him and I said, Michael, is it kind of like you feel like the Hulk? And he smiled at me with tears, and he said, yes, Tiffany, that's exactly what it feels like. And I said, I mean, it's, it's good, though. You aren't like, your clothes aren't ripping off and smashing things, but that's what you feel like, right? And he said, that's exactly what I feel like. He was always on the edge, waiting for the next rock to fall, and he would lose it. The image that we found with Michael that helped him to stop this cycle was talk about a volcano. Now, he had grown up on a reservation, and he loved the mountains. He always told me, Tiffany, I love the mountains. And I said, so think about a beautiful mountain, and then all of a sudden, it erupts. And there's no putting it back together. See, for reasons that I later found, this little guy would sense danger. He would get angry, and he would just explode. And because of awful things in his past that happened at school, he didn't feel safe at school. Anger. Maybe now you can feel the way it smolders within you. Maybe your anger isn't as extreme as Michael's, but it's smoldering just the same. And if it is, you're not alone. I remember being so surprised the first few months that I worked in an urban inner city housing development where anger would just seem to explode from nowhere. Everyone called this place the hill because we had the most beautiful overlook of Cincinnati, but the view inside this wall was stark compared to that view. I'd be outside playing with kids, and all of a sudden, I would hear the shrill, angry voices in the community. And it was as if you could count to three, and sometimes only to one, and then hear that explosion. Tensions would rise. The children knew to run and take cover, while the teenagers would run to see the fight, which they knew was coming. And the longer I was in the community and grew to really deeply love each person... When I would hear the signs of explosion, I would pray as I ran to the voices. Because what I found is that God used me in the anger. But what really helped me in this high anger area was to take a good look at what was fueling their anger. Because for something to explode so furiously, this anger explosion was actually just the symptom of something brewing really deep down. Peel back the layers of anger. Look at what's underneath the anger. For Michael and my friends on the hill, when you peeled it back, it was raw fear. Fear that they were covering with anger so no one would ever think they were weak or small again. Imagine being a little child and the adults who are supposed to protect you and take care of you, keep you safe, are anything but safe. Imagine having to learn at a very young age that you are all you've got. You strike first. You hurt before they can hurt you. It's like my little dog, Zeke. He's the cutest little dog, but he has the most horrific bark you've ever heard. I mean, it sounds like he is being gutted. He hears a noise or thinks somebody is going to get his food, and he's right back to being a tiny little abandoned puppy, alone and scared and hungry. For some of you, it's fear. For some of you, it's depression, expectations that haven't been met. For a lot of my friends on the hill, it was the anger that their lives were nothing like what they would want, and yet they felt absolutely powerless to change anything. They felt alone, unseen, unheard, And unloved, and unable to get out of the cycle of anger and its disastrous effects in their lives. The community fairly dripped with the volcanic effects of their anger. If you really dig, anger can come from lots of different things. It was interesting to me that for men, a lot of times anger is a telltale sign of depression. If you think about it, if you're fighting so hard not to be depressed, it can look like anger. Anger is also a very important stage of grief. Anger is a multi-layered thing, like an onion, as Shrek would say. Have you really spent time thinking about what anger looks like for you? Where and when does anger come out for you? What are your triggers? Who in here struggles with road rage? (laughs) It's so funny. My mom. Yeah. Experienced that. Um, DG told me the other day, he goes, Tiffany, you are the cause for road rage. Because I am the person that's on the interstate driving 40 miles an hour. Right? That's me. But maybe driving is your trigger. Maybe your trigger is stress, or being tired, or worrying about money, or your kids, or your spouse. See, anger in and of itself is not wrong. Remember the passage from today. I love how the message says it. It says, go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge and don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. When, when DG and I um, went for premarital counseling before we got married, the pastor said, here's the deal. After we did all these personality tests and everything, he goes, I have never married two people with such similar strong personalities. And he's like, here's the thing. Y'all are going to have to communicate, or else somebody's going to die. I mean, you will kill each other, right? And one of the promises that DG and I made was, don't go to bed angry, right? Don't let the sun set on it. In your anger, do not sin. In your anger, do not sin. See, anger is normal and natural. I've struggled with that. For me, it feels anything but normal or natural, right? But anger in and of itself is not bad. It's what we do when we're angry. Anger is a fire, but not all fire is bad, right? How many of you have one of those cool fire pits? Yeah, none. I'll tell you, working with treatment foster care, I can look at them and think of the 50 things that could go wrong around one of those things, but you look at them, and they're pretty cool. You know, they give you nice, cozy heat. They give you great space for community. But just imagine that somebody came along and said, hey, let's move the fire pit right into the living room. Like, no no fire pit around it, just fire. Fire is good but only in its right place and handled very safely. Anger is the same way. Anger is that safety mechanism that helps us to know when something is not right. You get angry when someone mistreats you, right? That's normal. You become angry when you see injustice in the world or someone you love hurts you. That's natural. And and a note that Though anger is natural, hurting people is not. And if you find yourself in a position where somebody is hurting you physically, verbally, emotionally, that is not right. But anger, handled normally, is normal. But it is the line of taking the fire out of the pit and throwing it into a loose dry patch of tall weeds that is the line from being angry to sinning in your anger. Christians throughout the centuries have battled with how to handle righteous anger in ways that honor Christ. I still struggle with that. What does it look like? And again, Ephesians gives us great wisdom. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and as thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Maybe you are struggling with a deep boiling anger from someone who has hurt you deeply and to think about forgiving them is unthinkable because it feels like you're saying that what they did was okay. But think about it this way. Why do you need to forgive if you haven't been wronged? I've talked with so many people who have struggled and suffered at the hands of other people. And to even say the word of forgiving for them, is it, it just makes them angry. Because they feel like to forgive is to say that what the other person did was okay. But let me explain it this way. Someone hurt you. You forgive because they did something wrong. If they didn't do anything wrong, there's no reason to forgive them. And that, to me, is liberating, right? The scripture that came to mind more times than I can count when I served on the hill was one that I want to leave you with. I truly believe it saved my life on many occasions. A gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. What would it look like for us to live as gentle people who meet shouts and arguing with a gentle whisper? I used to struggle so deeply with an extended family member. I felt unloved, unseen, and unheard. She would say and do things that I deeply disagreed with as a teenager, and I could give a treatise as to why I didn't agree and the points down it. And I found myself just arguing with her just to argue. It wasn't until I was in college that I realized my anger toward her was based more on my disappointment that she was not meeting my expectations of what I felt a grandparent should be. And even though no one but myself and God knew, I knew I was angry. I was nursing that anger, letting it sun after sun go down on that anger. And I was convicted by God. How could I claim to love him when I harbored such burning, smoldering anger toward a family member? And so I began to pray. I wrote letters And I made her gifts that took me a lot of time. I made her a cross stitch of this beautiful De Grazia nativity. Worked on it for a year. And when I gave it to her, she said, Tiffany, I cannot take this. And I just sat there and I prayed and thought, you're taking it. (laughs) Because I love you. And I began to feel my anger melt away. I realized that I had my own expectations of what she should act like or say or do, and that she simply was not able to give that to me. And God helped me not only to grieve that, but to realize that I wasn't being the person that she or God needed me to be. So I continued to write her to pray But I honestly wondered if she even knew or felt that I loved her. One day I went to her house and found beside her bedside a drawer filled with letters. My letters. And I knew. The love of Christ had taken over my resentments and anger. At that point it didn't matter if she knew. I knew. Imagine if you allowed the love of Christ to help you to forgive To let your anger go, because honestly, your anger is not only hurting you, but those you love and those you could love. Imagine how our society, both live and virtual, could look different if people gave gentle answers instead of angry shouts or jabs. What if you and I forgave others as quickly and as thoroughly as Christ has forgiven us? without anything in return. Forgiveness is the kryptonite to anger. The love chapter says it best. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. We are called to live out the love of Christ in technicolor to a world that is smoldering in anger. And this one deadly sin is truly deadly because if we allow our anger to rage, How can Christ's love shine through us? But what I have seen in my own life and in the lives of others is this amazing life, things that the love of Christ can do. It can turn anger that consumes and destroys into a beacon of light. Ask God to help you to see the person you are angry with through his eyes. Why not let the love of Christ begin today to bring healing and light, which is what it does best? Bring it into your dinner table, your office, your school, your relationships, your marriages, your heart, and let the light of Christ burn within you and turn your anger into beauty. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.